This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. How many of y'all enjoy being defeated? Nobody. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever would enjoy being defeated. But what we are talking about last week, we were talking about refusing defeat, rejecting defeat. And I'd like just to read a few passages to you just as a little bit of a review. Great passages. And if you ever want to uh, memorize some scripture, these are some worth memorizing. So they're in your heart and you can draw from them when you need to. But it says here in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, it says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and he went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when you pray, you you will gain victory over temptation. When you're tempted, pray. Some people say, well, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. Yes, you can if you'll pray. And you say, Lord, help me. Guess what? He will help genuinely. And Jesus told his disciples, pray that you'll not be overcome by temptation. And then he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. He was teaching them by example. You know, he was practicing what he preached. He was teaching them to pray. And it says in verse 42, he said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to be beaten and going to the cross. But then he said, yet I, I want your will, not my own. And, you know, when we're really seeking what God's will is. Now, God was not delighted that Jesus was experiencing pain on the cross and all But Jesus came for that purpose, to pay for your sins and my sins. And that's the only way it could have been done. And it says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And see, every time you and I pray, a strengthening angel will show up and help you. God sends his strengthening angel to Jesus and to the disciples and to you and me when you pray his strengthening angel comes and helps us. So if you don't pray and you go, well, I just didn't have the strength I needed, we wonder why, you know. But uh, we refuse defeat and we also refuse to be prayerless. He says we, we have not because we don't ask. It's important that we pray. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For every, and what percentage is every? 100%. For every child of God, and that's talking about those who've accepted Christ into their life. For every child of God defeats this evil world. What percentage? 100% of the children of God defeat this evil world. Every child of God defeats this evil world. That's what my Bible tells me. We, we, 
We've all experienced defeat and we know we don't like it. And as we pray and we seek Almighty God, grab a hold of his promises, every child of God defeats his evil world. And we achieve this victory. We achieve this victory through faith. And we know faith comes by hearing his word. And we achieve this victory, this this ability to conquer, to to overcome through faith in God and and, in his word. Verse 5 goes on to say here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It is our choice when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for us and he rose again and that resurrection power is available to each and every one of you here and you guys joining us watching online. Luke chapter 10 verse 18 says, when the 72 disciples returned, they'd gone out sharing the gospel as Jesus told them to do, to preach and to minister to the people When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even demons obey us when we use what? Your name. When we use the name of Jesus, demons obey us. They flee. They depart from people when we use your name. And Jesus says, yes, he told them. And then he says, listen, I saw. Satan's fall from heaven like lightning. You remember when he was cast out of heaven? He came to this old earth. He said, I saw the leader of all the demons. I saw him cast down. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, look, I have given you authority over all. What percentage is all? 100%. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. No thing will injure you. But then he goes on to say in verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. That's not what it's really all about to rejoice. He says rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And see, this is the true source of your authority. Not the demons flee when you use the name of Jesus, but the true source of your authority is your name is registered, written in heaven in the book of eternal life. That's that's what is is having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 21, in the Passion Bible, it says, Never, ever, never let evil defeat you. What? You mean I have a choice about it? What would your answer be to that? Yes, for the three of you who responded there. Yes, we have a choice. Never let. Never let. Never let evil defeat you. Refuse it. Refuse defeat. Now, some people are just not going to refuse it. But God's word tells us to refuse defeat. If you're faithful in the little things that God tells us to do, he knows we'll be faithful in the big things. Never let defeat, 
Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil. With what? With good. That's being Christ-like. Because he was really only the only one that was ever really God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me. I want you to know about all these things that happened to me. I was shipwrecked and I was stoned and I was in prison. I was beaten with rods. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me. And you think he's going to boo-hoo and cry and, you know, just appeal for our sympathy? No. He says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered, has not obstructed, has not hindered, but has helped my ministry of the preaching of the gospel, causing it to expand. Those things that happened to me has caused me to expand and spread to many people. It has hindered me. I, I wasn't defeated by it, but, but the gospel was advanced, expanded, went to more people because of the difficulties that come toward me. It's like, wow. Papa God, we just ask your blessings. We heard an emergency vehicle off in the distance. And we ask that you'd help those people in need. Might be somebody we know. And help those who are responding, those uh, men and women who serve there. And draw them all unto you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And we had music along with our prayer there. Well, at least we have music on our phones. And it's not just going ding-a-ling-a-ling, you know. Anyhow. Uh, you know, we, we can't escape the little problems we have, but we can use those problems we have for our advantage. It extends things. It promotes things. It advances things. It builds our faith as we put our trust in the almighty God. Listen to what he says here. And I'm reading out of the Passion Bible here. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance, as the material, as the ingredients, as, as the stuff. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us these difficulties produce for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, the difficulties and the problems, but we focus on what is unseen. Is it possible to focus on things that you can't see? Absolutely it is because you sense it's there. But we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but we focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. It's here for just a bit and it's gone. But the unseen, God and his promises, his angelic beings protecting us. But the unseen realm is eternal. It's, it's established and will ever be there. Now, here is where I had my flashlight, and I left it. When I was up on the mountain, I stuck it in my backpack. You know, if, 
You should have been with us this morning on the way up and down. It was quite adventurous. <laughs> you, you cannot get up our mountain without snowshoes on. And it's crusty, and we got the snowshoes, it's got all these teeth all around the edges of it, and you would need them because we have a pretty steep way to go up there. But I stuck my flashlight in my pack because it got light, you know, up there this morning. Wasn't it fun this morning? It was adventurous. Yeah, I took a, a video of Susan, maybe I'll show it to you one of these days, coming down a part of our mountain here uh, this morning. But what I wanted to say to you, you know, I, I was going to screw the back off of my f- flashlight and then I was going to keep trying to turn it on, but it wouldn't turn on. Why? It was just loose. It wasn't connected. And see, f- for you and, and me to access the power of Almighty God, we got to stay what? Connected to him. We talked about last week, if, if you abide, if you stay connected to him and his word stays connected to you, you can ask whatever you will, it's going to be done. But if you're not connected, there's no power flowing there. And you and I need to stay connected to the almighty God. Uh, listen to what it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, you ran well. You were doing so good. You was out leading the race. You was going to cross that finish line. You were going to finish well. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who who defeated you? Who hindered you? Who stopped you? We do have an enemy, do we not? And he does his best to hinder us, throw obstacles in our path. You know what? I I like to watch those runners who jump over those hurdles. Because you can just imagine you're running and the devil throws a hurdle in your path. And you just jump over it. Keep on going. You jump over it. It's just like, wow, look at that guy jump. That is amazing. And horses go over hurdles as well. And it just shows the glory of the horse. There's a hurdle. There's an obstruction, obstacle in its path. And it runs and it just, and you see the muscles and the strength of the horse as he overcomes. And the enemy of our soul would would throw obstacles in our path. You don't have to quit. You make a choice. I refuse to be defeated. I refuse. I'm not going to give up, you know. You don't stop. You, you, you don't quit. You, you don't give up. No, you just keep on moving forward. Thomas Carlyle said, every noble work is at first impossible. Every noble work. Was it once upon a time impossible for man to fly? Was it once impossible for man to talk on a telephone? Was it once impossible for man to drive a car? But what happened? Somebody had a dream. Somebody had a vision. And with lots of effort and experimentation and development, we can fly in airplanes and drive cars and talk on phones and turn light bulbs on. But once upon a time, it was impossible. And a lot of people think God answering your prayer is impossible. That's the the most possible thing that there is. Because he said all things are possible with him. 
and with him, when you're connected to him, everything is possible for you and for those who's in your sphere of influence. Endurance. Let me give you the definition of endurance. The word endurance, it means steady determination to keep going. It means continuing even when everything in you wants to slow down and give up. Continuing. That's endurance. And that's what God has promised us. You know, the blessings. And he has challenged us to patiently endure. To keep moving forward. You know, refuse defeat. There may be obstacles and maybe you can't jump over it. Can you jump over our mountain, dear? Can you? Can you jump over it? No, but can you climb over it? So if you can't jump over it, you can climb over it. Or you can dig through it if you had to. Is that right? You ever see where they build these tunnels through mountains for trains and cars and all? Let me tell you, we just don't give up. We, we, we refuse defeat. We just keep doing things God's way. Now, I like what Winston Churchill said. He said, never give up. Never give up, exclamation mark. Let me read it again. Never give up. I'm, I'm just going to read it word for word the way he wrote it. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never, never in anything great or small, large or petty, never give up. Except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never surrender to anything but to convictions and good sense. Surrender yourself to Almighty God. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe said, when you get into a tight place and everything goes against you till it seems as though you could not hold on a minute longer, never give up then. For that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. Have you ever hung on and you just refuse to give up and then things turn around and change for your advantage, for your benefit? Just don't give up. You just keep praying and trusting almighty God and you don't give up. Refuse defeat. Choose to believe and to trust the almighty God. It was a fog Shrouded morning, July the 4th, 1952, when a young woman named Florence Chadwick, she waded into the water off of Catalina Island. She intended to swim the channel from the island to California coast. Long distance swimming was not new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. The water was numbing cold that day. The fog was so thick she could hardly see the boats in her party. Several times sharks had to be driven away with rifle fire from those who were in her boats. She swam more than 15 hours and miles she swam before she asked to be taken out of the water. Her trainer tried to encourage her to swim on since they were so close to land. But when Florence looked, all she saw was fog. So she quit. Only one half a mile from her goal. And she could have swam that easily. Later, she said, I'm not excusing myself. But if I could have seen the land, 
I might have made it. It wasn't the cold or fear or exhaustion that caused Florence Chadwick to fail. It was the fog. Do you ever things are things ever foggy to you? You just can't quite see through them. I'm going to tell you something. This book right here removes the fog. Genuinely, faith rises up and gives us vision. And we can see things so much better when you spent time connected to the almighty God. Many times we fail not because we're afraid or because of peer pressure or because of anything other than the fact that we lose sight of the goal. And, and, and maybe that's what Paul was talking about when he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I press on. I just keep going forward. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He had vision. He could see into the future. Two months after Florence Chadwick's failure, she walked off of the same beach into the same channel and she swam the distance, setting a new speed record because she could see the land, the fog was gone. And we need to have vision. And I am telling you, reading God's word gives us clear vision. It causes our faith to rise and we can see a lot clearer in the fog dissipates and so we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus we need to keep our eyes on his word and don't lose sight John chapter 14 verse 21 in the amplified Bible it says the person who has my commands and keeps them I got them it's like I keep them I keep them in my heart and I keep them in my mind I You know, I love them and I trust them and you can count on them. But Jesus said, the person who has my commands and keeps them, that means he obeys them, he applies them, is the one who really loves me. Do you really love Jesus? If you have his word and you apply them, yes, you do. If you have his word, but you don't apply it, you just do whatever you jolly well please, You don't love him. The person, he says, who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father, Jesus says. And I, too, will love him. And and I, too, will I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. Would that be fantastic if Jesus was to reveal himself? Make himself real to you. He says, I will let myself be clearly seen. No fog, but to have clear vision. Now, Jesus said this about you and me, about you and me. If, if we have his commands, we, we have them and, and we apply them, we, we keep them. The latter part of this verse says, and I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Would that be fantastic if, if Jesus, not that you're trying to make it happen, but if he just makes himself real to you, he allows you to, to have a clear view of him, then the fog is gone, it's no longer misty, 
it's no longer doubtful, but it's very crisp and it's very clear. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, a final word, be strong. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. That's how we conquer, with his strength. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. How do we get the Lord's mighty power operating in us? He tells us, verse 11, put on half of God's armor. Oh, oh, okay. Is there a difference? Is it different if you're half dressed or you're all dressed? Put on all of God's armor, uh, the, the helmet of salvation. I think we may have a, a picture there somewhere we could uh, put on our screen, but the helmet of salvation and, and having the breastplate of righteousness that protects all of our, our vital organs, having the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and our loins gird about with truth and our feet you know, shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, kind of like him snowshoes. Could you have gone up the mountain this morning without snowshoes on? No. Could you have made it down the mountain? No. Yes, she could have. Tumbling. Boom, 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 boom. Is that right? Not in good shape, though. But the Bible says put it all on your feet and on your loins. And on your, your wrapping around you, your, your breastplate and, and your shield and your, and see your shield is for you, but your shield catches anything that's coming from any direction. It can help protect those who are with you. And your sword is to advance and to move forward. And he says here, Ephesians six ten, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power and put on all of God's armor. Put it all on so that you will be able to stand firm against what's that next word what percentage is that that you may be able to stand firm against all 100% of the strategies the tactics and the schemes and the tricks of the devil do you want to be able to stand strong when the devil is trying to trick you and and hurt you you want to be able to stand against him strong well then you need the armor if you don't have the armor you're not going to do it you're just not going to be successful. Our snow this morning was crusty. In some places, you could just walk right on top of it. And without them, them snowshoes, you would have broke through because your, your, your weight would have been smaller going down, and you could have slid. And you know what? We need the armor that God's given us because he knows how we need to be equipped so we can stand against the enemy of our soul. Verse 11 Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. Some people choose not to wear their spiritual armor. It's like some people choose not to wear helmets when they ride a motorcycle. And it's fine to have the you know, air blowing through your hair, have the air blowing through your beard you know, as you're riding down the road. But if you do crash and hit something... You wish you had a helmet on. They even make you ride bicycles with helmets and go skiing with helmets. You know, you got to wear a helmet for almost everything nowadays in this world in which we live. And if you choose you're not going to do so, you put yourself in a little bit more of a precarious, a a dangerous situation. And there's some people who go, well, I'm not going to wear the spiritual armor. So they're going to go around spiritually naked. 
How would you like to be out there in the summertime with not much clothes on in a jungle environment? What's going to happen to you? Lions and tigers ain't going to have to worry about you. The mosquitoes is going to kill you. You know what I'm saying? So we need to have on the full armor of God so we can stand firm against the tricks and the strategies of the devil. It is our choice, though. You going to put it on or not? And he goes on, let me read you in verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 6 in the Message Bible. And it says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. Verse 11, so take everything, 100%. Take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best material and put them to use. Don't put the, the weapons that God gives you in, in a showcase, but apply them. Don't just put them in a showcase, but if God's giving you weapons, have them with you when you need them so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. And does he throw stuff our way? Sure he does to try to trip us up. This is no afternoon athletic contest. It's not a game that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. Be prepared, he says. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all, 100%. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. And then he lists off the armor, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, are more than words. Learn how to apply them. Do you know how to apply the armor of God? Think about it. If, you know, people take fencing, you know what fencing is when you have the little sword... Do you know how to do that? Some of us come here with a sword. Could you, could you defeat them with that? Well, I don't really know. Well, the armor that God has given us, do you know how to apply it? Do you really know how to use it? You can learn through his word or from somebody else who knows how to use the armor. You can learn how to do that. And that's what he says here. Learn how, verse 17, learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life, what you're doing right now, what you do the rest of the day and tomorrow, that's called life. You need the armor of God to get through life because the enemy of our soul is throwing all kinds of stuff at us, trying to hinder us, trying to destroy us. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable, a crucial, is what he's talking about, vital, essential. God's word is an indispensable, what's it say? This is the most powerful weapon you can ever carry. And it don't have to be concealed. This is a a weapon that you want revealed. It's the most powerful weapon you and I have accessible to us. That's God's word. You'll never be defeated while you're wearing the full armor of God. You will never be defeated while wearing the full armor of God. Verse 18 here, it says, Paul says, in the same way, 
Prayer is essential. It's, it's, it's basic. It's necessary in this ongoing welfare. Welfare? Is there a difference between the two? Absolutely. There's an ongoing warfare that we're in a battle and we need the whole armor of God. Pray little. Pray hardly. Oh, pray hard. Have you ever prayed hard? You go, hard? Let me ask my, my darling wife here. Is prayer hard? It's hard work. You think it's hard to get up the mountain this morning? That was part of our prayer, is it not? But it ain't no harder than throwing myself out of the bed in the morning. That's, that's the hardest thing to do. Clock goes off at 4.30 in the morning. You just got to crawl out of that bed. That's hard to do. But not just that part, but to pray the word because you're in a battle. The enemy of your soul, oh, Lord, bless her. So amen. That's not very effective praying. When you pray the word of God and you fast and you, you spend time praying in faith and, and you're covering the issues, and it's a prayer that's effective. It's a prayer that changes people's lives. It's a prayer. It, it's, it's hard work is what it is, genuinely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you are a prayer warrior, you know that prayer is hard work. And it says here, pray hard. That's the kind of praying that gets done. It gets accomplished to something and long. Not just a, I'm going to pray a 10-second prayer. God bless us. Amen. Okay, let's go watch TV now. No. Pray hard and you pray long if you want your prayers to be answered, you know. Because the Bible says pray without ceasing. That means that God's in every thought. No matter what you're doing, he's in every thought. He's in everything that you do, you know. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Does your Bible, do you see that where it says keep your eyes open? You know, it's kind of hard to pray when your eyes close. Now, you say, well, I thought you were supposed to close your eyes when you pray. Anybody ever pray while you're driving? Do you close your eyes? It's best not to. If you close your eyes while you're praying, you better pray hard. (laughs) Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops off. It's just like the Marines. No man left behind. Don't leave nobody behind. You pray for folks. You pray. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, The heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they were, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. Have you been ever toiling upward in the night? Let me ask you, have you ever had a difficulty sleeping or wake up at, say, three o'clock in the morning? You were awakened to pray. I'm telling you that is an absolute fact. It's not like, well, I ate something that didn't settle with me. You were awakened in the night to pray. Maybe you don't know what to pray for, but you pray. So many things have happened when men and women are awakened. There's not much to distract them then, and they pray. 
You ever been waking in the night, dear? Often. And you pray for whatever is on your heart and whatever is on your mind. And others, while they're asleep, there's men and women who are hard at work praying that things will change, and they do change. And they pray long, and they sacrifice some sleep, not just getting up early, but they're, they're praying time, long times in the night. That's only if you want your prayers answered. You're praying for a loved one. You're praying for someone's salvation. You're praying for the healing of a, a friend or a family member. You know. Anyhow, he says here in verse 9, and Paul was talking to me, he says, and don't forget to pray for me. And he was an apostle, and I'm going to identify as a pastor. I don't know if you ever think about it. You know, well, Pastor Ron don't need no prayer. He does all the praying. No, no, I need some prayer. I need lots of prayer. So pray for me when you think about it. It says, and don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, and we know that Paul was in prison because of preaching the gospel. He says that the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. Well, I feel the same responsibility Paul did. We got to get the gospel out. Not just here, but we got to get the gospel out on the internet, live streaming. We've got to get it out further and, and reach every man, woman, boy, and girl and let them know about Christ. Let them know about the forgiveness of Almighty God and that God answers prayer and he'll provide for them. We got to do this. Let me, let me ask you a question. Think about this answer in your mind. Do you consider yourself a victim of circumstances, a victim of the times, just of, of victims of what's going on in this world right now? Or do you consider yourself a victor? There's a difference. A victim is just like, oh, gloom and despair and agony on me. Oh. But a victor don't sing that song. Don't sing that kind of a song. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, the accuser, it's talking about the devil, the accuser has been thrown down to earth. The one who accused our brothers and sisters before our God day and night. You ever feel the devil accusing you? Bringing up your past? He attacks you with criticism and judgment and shameful things that you have thought or you've done in the, the past. And he's always trying to hinder you and throw the, your past as obstacles in your past so you can't move forward. And it says, and they, the ones who have been accused, and they, talking about believers, they have defeated him. Really? The devil will accuse him? And they, how did they defeat him? I want to know. And they have defeated him because of the blood of the lamb. Let me tell you something. When the devil starts bringing up thoughts to your mind, you can say, thank you, Father God, that the blood of Jesus was shed. The precious blood of Jesus that washed all my sins away and washes all the sins of the whole wide world, whoever will call upon his name. And it says, and they have defeated him, the devil, because of the blood of the lamb and because of their testimony. When you share your story, what God's done for you, you begin to rise up no longer victim, but as victor, 
because people hear what you say. The devil hears what you say, and he is going to get out of there. He says, and they have defeated him, the devil, because of the blood of the lamb and because of their testimony, and they have not, and they were not afraid unto death. Wow. Romans 8, 37 says, no, despite all these things, and what percentage is all? No, despite all these things, all the accusations, all the lies that the devil has whispered in my ear and attacked me with the criticism, uh, no, regardless of all that, despite all these things, I'm a victor. Overwhelming means vast. It means great. It means tremendous. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Lord, just help those people in need. Whoever they are, might be somebody we know. Wherever that emergency vehicle is going, we ask that you'd help them and help those who are responding and draw them closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I like the way it says it in the King James Bible. It says we're more than conquerors. More than a conqueror. So what's a more than a conqueror? You know what? Quite a few years ago, those Wright brothers who really kind of invented the airplane, and then if it just it took wings from there and it just flew. Everybody started working on airplanes. And before you know it, they had big planes. They would carry a lot of passengers and off. And the airplane, it conquered gravity. And if you get in an airplane, you conquer gravity too. And you would consider yourself more than a conqueror. You didn't have to just conquer gravity on your own. You just got in an airplane that had already conquered gravity. You're more than a conqueror. And I'm going to tell you something. Once upon a time, Jesus stood out on the battlefield called earth. And the devil came against him, you know. And Jesus ultimately beat the stuffings out of the devil and kicked him off of the battlefield, and he rose from the dead. Now, you and I, when we put on the armor, the whole armor of God, you put all of it on, and you put on the helmet, and you step out on the battlefield, and the devil steps out on the battlefield, but he can't tell who you are. You look just like Jesus because you're wearing his armor. And guess what he does? He says, I didn't been conquered by him. I didn't been beat before. I'm out of here, man. You know, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. What does it say specifically? He will flee in terror. And when you wear the whole armor of God, the devil will flee from you in terror. You don't have to give in to defeat and just do what the rest of the world does. You don't have to do that. You just just don't have to do that. You know, we're dressed the same way Jesus dressed. We have the full armor of God on, and the devil, he flees from us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are of God. This is just the spiritual giants, right? Who's it talking to? Little children. You are of God, little children, and have. What what tenses have? Present, and 
and, and you have. You, you have, and, and, and this is inclusive of what's behind you and what is present. You are of God, little children, and you, you have overcome. You have overcome, and you're overcoming still because greater is he. That's Jesus. Greater is Jesus that is in you than he, the devil, that is in this world. Even you who are little children, you've overcome. You're not defeated. You have overcome. You have this as your own possession. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're a victor because greater is who? Jesus in you than the devil that's in this world. Now, if you don't know that verse already, I'd memorize that verse. I'd put it in my heart. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 in the Message Bible, it says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All, 100%. All. What percentage is all? 100%. All. You need to remember. This is it. 100%. This is all you got to remember. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. Can we read that once together? God will never let you down. Can we read one more time? God will never let you down. And when you're praying, you can say that to God. Almighty God, Papa God, you said you will never let me down. And you can say it to the devil when he's telling you, God said he will never let me down. And you got your armor on and the devil will flee from you because you resist him, you see. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. God knows what your limit is and you will never be pushed past your limit. And he will always, 100% of the time, he will always do what? What's those next two words? He will always be there. For what purpose? To help you. He will always be there to help you come through it. Romans 8 verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation. There is no attack by criticism. There is no uh, attack by accusation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. The devil can say everything he wants to, but it's just like water off a duck's back. It's like fiery darts off of a shield of faith. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. I'm not saying for those who know about there's a Christ somewhere, but for those who belong to him, and you know you belong to him, the devil is not effective in accusing you, you see. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. Remember? You know, gravity is like sin. But if you get in an airplane, you can break free of gravity. 
And sin is always pulling you downward and downward. But when you get into Christ, you break free of the the gravity called sin that's always pulling you down. You break free of that gravitational pull called sin against you. And you can triumph and you can overcome obstacles and you can be victorious because you're in relationship with Christ. Psalms 60 verse 11 says, Oh, please help us against our enemies for all. What percentage is that? For all, 100% of human help is what? 100% of just the secular humanism, human help. Oh, we don't need God. We can do this without him. Oh, please help us against our enemies for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things for he will trample down our foes. Did y'all see that in the Bible? We need almighty God, not just what earth and what humanity can do, who excludes God from themselves. Now listen to what it says here in Psalms 40 verse 2. In the King James Bible, it says, He, Almighty God, He brought me up also out of the horrible pit. Let me ask you, you ever been in the pit? Let me ask you, what kind of pit are you stuck in right now? And there's thousands of them. I just jotted a few down. Are you stuck in the pit of despair? The, the pit of doubt, the, the pit of hopelessness, the pit of depression, the pit of debt, the, the pit of sickness, the, the pit of unforgiveness, the pit of worry, the pit of fear, the pit of sin, the, the pit of negative of thoughts, the, 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 the pit of defeatism and a thousand other things. Are you stuck in the pit? <laughs> Think about this for a moment. He says here in Psalms 40, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. God did. Out of the miry clay. God brought me out. And he set my feet where? Upon a rock. And he established my goings. And he had put a new song in my mouth. I'm no longer singing gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, I'm saying, I got the victory. You got the victory. We've all got the victory now. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praises unto our God. And see, that's our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What we say with our mouth. Are we saying we're victorious or we're saying, I'm just so defeated. He has put a new song in my mouth, even praises to our God, and many shall see it. They'll see what God's doing in us and what we're saying and what we're singing. And many shall see it in fear and shall put their trust in the Lord. Now, it says it right there in Psalms 40, verse 2. And it's not 100% word for word, but it's almost. But you can sing along with me if you want to. And it says, He brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praises to our God. 
meaning shall see and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He brought me out of the horrible what? That's what the Bible says. He's brought us out of the horrible pit. So don't you stay stuck in the pit and think, well, I just can't get out. Yes, you can. You make a choice. As Jesus, he rose from the dead. He shares that resurrection power with you and, and, and he will rise you up out of that pit. He brought us out of that horrible pit. That's, that's what he tells us. A woman named Sue became a Christian. Sue is a homemaker. Her husband, John, is a doctor. And John's attitude towards Sue's conversion was one of amusement and disapproval. He was somewhat happy for her in a belittling kind of a way. Yet he couldn't ignore the impact that Sue's faith had on her daily life. She involved God in every detail. Every detail. Oh, man. She even prayed over her laundry. You ever prayed over your laundry? Lord, help me get the stains out of these jeans. John's attitude had always been that you call on God for emergencies. The small stuff you just handle yourself. In Sue, he saw that God can be part of every detail of our lives. And it was this one distinction that ultimately led John to accept in Jesus Christ as his Savior. Because he saw his wife dependent upon God, and God was there in the details. Last verse I'm going to read today. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in what? Every detail of their lives. Now, my brother, Wally, you know, a few years ago, he had a heart attack. And there's a situation also where he had some cancer in a kidney. And you know what? We was talking one day. I was down there visiting him. And he says, if, if you're not feeling good, spend some time with the doctor. That's, that's what he told me. And then he said, if you need healing, spend time with the healer. If you need provisions, spend time with the provider. If you need peace, Spend time with the Prince of Peace. And on and on and on and on, he told me. And I'm thinking, that's really good advice. Spend time with Jesus because he's everything that we need him to be. He's all that we need. Have you been spending time with him? Have you? Refuse defeat and connect with Jesus. Make time for Jesus. Take his promises to heart. Put on all of his armor and stand your ground. That's what I'm talking about. Well, our time is just about up here. And what I'd like you to do uh, right now, just to prepare yourself to reaffirm your faith in Christ. He loves you so much and he's there for you 100% of the time. Although we're not necessarily there for him 100% of the time. I want you to think about it. As we reaffirm our faith in him, let's just totally surrender our past, our present, and our future to him. And if you've never declared your faith, would you join us as we open our heart and all the areas of our life and we welcome Christ into our life. So if you would bow your heads with me, and Susan, if you'd come up here to, to pray with me, I would appreciate that. And then I want to have us to sing a song together, the song that we sang in the very beginning 
as we uh, prepare to leave. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, believe that you love me, I believe that you love me and that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life on that cross and shed his blood to wash my sins away. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door right now. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Lord. And as my King. I surrender all. Of me to you. In Jesus name.